think about it, there wasn't so much a legalism in their, you know, soteriology, you know, coming to Christ by faith, uh, by grace. And yet the legalism kicks in once that person becomes a Christian. Now there's a list of the nasty nine, terrible 10, dirty dozen list, you know, that we all had of things you have to check off that you're not going to do things you should be doing. And it comes down into, it's just performance oriented. Mm. And like Jesus said, you're, you're whited sepulchers, but full of dead men's mm. bones. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, before we get this episode started, we always love to come on, and as we like to say, banter. Brian, you've never used that word before you came on the RFP, did you? I'd never heard that word so much before (laughs) I came on the RFP. I love it. It's just we can get all the commercials out of the way, but it's not just commercials because we don't want you to skip over this part because these are talking about some incredible sponsors that we love that help keep us on the air every week. And And there's some nuggets on this every week. There's some great nuggets. You never know what to expect in the whole episode, but especially this intro. And this week we got called out for one of our sponsors being soap. Ooh. Yeah. He said, I'm sick of these trendy selling soap. (laughs) Well, I can tell you what, this trendy smells good because of free life soap. Ooh. Yeah. You better believe it. I'm still pumpkin spicing. We haven't even needed a candle at our house. All I need to do is take a bath sit in the living room and we are at one with fall man brian walks in the room and everybody's like "Ah." smells like a white girl i've been i've been banned from starbucks i walked into starbucks and nobody ordered pumpkin spice they just all followed me around it was really weird but pumpkin spice is powerful stuff goodness guys i am still pumpkin spice free i am too i have not used it i haven't even washed my hands with it. Yeah. I'm sure it's the most amazing thing in the world, but I don't like pumpkin spice smell. Yeah, I'm, I don't it's, know. It's not my favorite, but my girls tell me it's amazing. My especially wife loves the it. Free Life soap. Yeah. And we love Free Life soap. Free Life soap is a great organization that started in Miss McCribbin's garage back there. And she said, We want to live that free life that we found in Jesus Christ. It is a Christian run organization. And so we love having Free Life soap as a sponsor here. So go to the recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Free Life soap tab, get 20% off of your order when you use the promo code RFP. And to all of our IFB listeners out there, guys, we know that you use a King James Version mm. and you still use bar mm. dial soap. Right. And the white kind that's not scented. And we know that you still use Brute for men that you buy mm-hmm. at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can step your game up a little bit and see, you know, your wife may like it. And if you have a beard, if you're one of those rebels that have a beard and you want some great beard oil, I'm telling you, it is the best beard oil I've ever used. They have black leather, they have cherry pipe tobacco, and they have Cuban cigar. Just peel the label off of it. Nobody will know what you smell like unless you sit by a reprobate. So if you're as secure in your manhood as you pretend to be when you're preaching in the pulpit, I challenge you to buy some free life soap and see if you're still a man. I knew this pastor once. I, I commented. I said, hey, man. What's that smell you have on? He said it's Burt 35. <laughs> True story. So Burt 35. The Burt 35 and get you some free life soap. And if you are as secure as me, go ahead and feel free to use the pumpkin spice. It is fantastic. Hey, do you guys oh, remember is. the obsession obsession in the oh, IFB? Yeah. 
everybody wore obsession. Everybody did. You could walk in the church and the fumes would like knock you out. They thought the spirit was falling. Right. It was just obsession. That was like fumes. late 80s, early 90s, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, man. Remember when it went to eternity for men? Oh, yeah. 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 It was like, that was mm, liberal, though. We're obsessed I mean, with was... then eternity. That's only the <laughs> once saved, always saved crowd that wore that. So <laughs> it's great. Hey, we also want to thank J Radio. You can go to jradio.com, click on the link, and listen to some great music. You can download the iPhone and the Android app today. And I did not set off the alarm today, and Good we job. didn't get kicked out of the studio. We didn't. I, I'm a little sad, though. This is my last time recording in the J Radio studios. I think you'll be back. I'm going to be back, but it, the new norm is going to be all three of us in three different locations, Statesboro, Danville, and Chattanooga. So it's mm. going to be different, but I'm excited about it. Brian wished this on us. He did. He yeah, was because jealous. I've been the remote guy forever. But here's the deal. JC, you're going to end up recording a podcast. I can see it now. Late on a beach in Savannah. Mm-hmm. You've just eaten at Paula Dean's restaurant. Did it. And you've like fried chicken yourself to death. And you're going to be laying on a beach um, recording the Recovering Fundamentalist. And Nathan and I are going to be jealous. I don't know. He gets the J Radio Studios. That's pretty <laughs> nice there. But we want to thank J Radio for letting us use the studio here. And uh, guys, we got an incredible episode this week. I am so fired up about it. We're right dead smack in the middle of a non or an in, as Brian says, account. Was it an in or an in? Or a non? I say I say anon. Anon. What do I say? Ooh. I say anon. Yeah. Or anon. Hmm. Anyhow, we're right in the middle of this account, October, and uh, we've already had fake sermon. We've had Northwest Seminary. We've had the wrestling pastor. And tonight on the episode, coming to you real and in color, it's the man, the myth, the legend, the Twitter OG. It is Lloyd Legalist, and he is on the show tonight. I can't believe we've got him on the show, and uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. I'm fangirling. I am too. I am too. This is Twitter this gold, is, Twitter royalty tonight. Yeah, this is bigger than Ringling Brothers Barman Bailey Circus when I was 10 years old. <laughs> That's right big. when it started. Let's get this show started. Here we go. Let's go. In three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and JC. Hey guys, what do you get when you buy an eco-friendly container home from podlife.house? Well, you get plenty of wall space for that one TV that Larry Brown hasn't smashed with a sledgehammer. You get quite a comfortable space to relax in after a pastoral sheep shearing on a Wednesday night and a full-size bathroom that even Steven Anderson could stand in and, you know, create your own awesome space at podlife.house. Customized container homes, man caves, she sheds, office spaces, and so much more. It's podlife.house. Dude, the writers of that commercial are incredible, which is none other than Philip Kidd, Phil Kidd's son. Dude, 
That's awesome. They come up with some gold. And we got a lot of feedback this week about Steven Anderson. Some people were really glad to hear him on there. My favorite one this week was somebody said, I don't know what his obsession is with calling men males, because in Genesis chapter one, it says, and God made them male and and female. He's like, what in the world? I don't get it. Well, that's what happens when you rant and you don't actually study the scripture. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. You say things like that when you step into the pulpit and you're not prepared and you start ranting and the more the crowd responds, the more you rant and the more you rant, the more you rant. That's exactly what happened. He must literally never be prepared then, ever. (laughs) There's a difference in being filled with the spirit and being filled with a spirit. Mm. Hey, man. That'll preach right there. That's deep. Man. (laughs) Right off the bat, just right into it. And we just want to give clarity up front. Folks that are listening to our intro not one of us are on that intro. Somebody wrote in and said, you know, I think it sounds like Brian that said college is what makes women stupid. I said, no, that was none other than Stephen L. Anderson. But they said, y'all should go back from when you were IFB and put some of your sound clips in the intro. Whoa. Negatory. Not but happening. How can somebody think that's me when I, I have a wife and I actually want her to love me and continue to live with me? And I have three daughters. And one of my daughters just graduated college, and the second one is in college now. Man, that's come on, know. people! You should know me better than that. I'm the one who takes the IFB to task, and you would think that's me. No, hey, hey Brian, I don't think it's you, but I know you mentor a lot of IFB guys. Are you are you feeding Stephen Anderson his sermon content? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> Like there's so many things that come to my mind, none I could say on the RFP <laughs> podcast. Funny. Well, there's a world that Brian and I used to live in, the Southern Gospel world, and we want to kind of give a shout out to some of our Southern Gospel singers that are out on the road traveling the miles and the highways and the byways on their bus. And we have had this week quite a few Southern Gospel groups reach out and say, "Hey, we're listening to the podcast." And so, I think it's kind of crazy. I, I guarantee you when we started this podcast, Brian, I don't know if you're like me, but we never thought that Southern gospel groups would be listening to it on their prevost. No, and we I know we're not going to call any names, but man, I just have such an urge to sing. He is higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from above. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. Woo! Perfect. Brian, you still got it, bro. No, man, I don't. You're going to get some offers from some Southern Gospel groups this week, I guarantee you. Are you ready to hit the road again? Never. Never. There's more <laughs> junk in my throat than a dumpster. Hey, do y'all think we have enough connections to get a special guest? I guarantee you, if we threw a trio together, we could get on somewhere. That's, I want to. I want to have a special guest appearance at the NQC next year. I'm sure we can Ooh. make it happen, dude. Are you saying you're willing to make that a matter of prayer? Yes. <laughs> uh, please let us sing at the NQC. We need a table next year. 
We'll sell our 8 by 10 glossies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do want to say thank you guys for um, having thick skin because we made all kinds of like jokes and and uh, said things about Southern Gospel groups, and they're still listening to us. Uh, I, I think if anyone has thick skin, it has to be Southern Gospel groups. We do want to thank those groups that are listening. I mean, this week, the Collingsworth family, Greater Vision, the Ball Brothers, Daniel Ball. Man, thanks for reaching out. There's so many of them out there that are listening. I know uh, Joseph Habedank and Brian Walker. I mean, that's just a few that have reached out. We want to thank y'all for what you're doing out there and uh, just continue to listen to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We hope we didn't just cost you some gigs. <laughs> it's going to happen. By mentioning your name. <laughs> that's no danger. Well, one of the reasons those Southern Gospel groups are reaching out is because there's this crazy dude out West that is is uh, talking about them and, and talking about how horrible they are because they travel and sing Southern gospel music. And I think, Brian, you've got some of his tweets this week, didn't you? Oh, yeah. He's been uh, he's been on a rampage. I just thought I'd read a few of these. I feel like there needs to be like an introduction song. Like, can you, JC, can you give me like some kind of an introduction song? It needs to be like moments of tweeting with Bill Reeves. Everyone understands that the recovering fundamentalist crowd are admitting they are sick. <laughs> they clearly have been infected with bitterness. Let's pray for their complete and speedy recovery. We probably shouldn't spend much time around them. Man, isn't that so, it's just such a blessing. Mm. <laughs> so if being canceled by recovering fundamentalist is the new badge of honor bestowed on an IFB pastor, it simply confirms that the devil has not changed his methods. They always hated standards, soul winning, bus ministry, and the King James Bible. Nothing new under the sun. Man. How did bus ministry make its way into comparing <laughs> with the King James Bible? That I mean they're that's right just, up there right up there together. That's just weird. And then now I don't know if you feel like a drum roll is in order, but this is the cherry on top of the Sunday. Are you ready? Purple hair, cross-dressing, skinny jeans, CCM and SGM, KJB abandonment, IFB hating, recovering fundamentalist, and cancel culture are all marks of spoiled children who are running from facing their failures. IFB accepting their acting out makes their whining relevant. It wow. isn't. Bill, Bill, Bill. Guys... I, I think I'm going to go sit in a closet by myself for about 30 minutes and and reflect on, on my hurt feelings. Okay, I'm over it. Never mind. This has been well, Quiet Reflections with Bill Reeves. <laughs> well, what I love are the 13 likes that he, <laughs> that he actually received. And, and, you know, I feel bad because I just picture him right now calling his wife and saying, uh, honey, m make sure and go on Twitter and, and like that that tweet it's only had <laughs> four likes and uh then i'm sure he forced his staff to like it <laughs> i just want to know how you have access to those brian because i know you've been blocked oh i'm blocked but but where there's a will there's a way <laughs> we also want to give a shout out to hamblin who's preaching a revival tonight that looks right into the camera and says don't quote me on facebook i better not read this on facebook later by the way that's what cowards do Right. Right. I said, that's what cowards do. That's what cowards do. They got those anonymous accounts because they're living in their mother's basement wearing their Scooby-Doo pajamas till noon. And they got a chocolate milk mustache on their face all day long. 
internet terrorists with their fingers. You're a punk is what you are. In Jesus' name, that's what you are. So let me read this on Facebook. Well, we're not because Facebook was so 1990. <laughs> hey, don't talk about old people's social media. Brother. <laughs> hey, speaking of social media tonight, it's Twitter, a non-account Wednesday. And we have the man, the myth, and the legend all wrapped up in one. It's Lloyd Legalist on the show with us tonight. Lloyd, welcome to the RFP. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> He's got the voice my, box. Uh, the voice, yes. Got to do that. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. Yeah, I just want to say right out of the gate, you are brilliant. Mm. Your comedic ability is exemplary. If there were going to be a monument in the Smithsonian Institute for incredible Twitter humor... <laughs> It would be dedicated to you. I'll Too second kind. that. Too kind. <laughs> you guys, I, I can see you've already cashed the checks I sent you. So yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, Lloyd, you, I have to say this because JC went all fangirl on the wrestling pastor. You yeah. have always been my favorite and on Twitter account. And you were the first one I followed years ago. Wow. I, I appreciate all the humor. You were the, really the first one that showed me it was okay to have humor about our past and our experiences. Wow. So I am really one of your disciples. I think I need you to be are. able to claim that. And yes. this is what happens when you say things that, that make light of the IFB. It results in the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. So I, I hope you're happy with yourself. <laughs> I, uh, I burst it without knowing the movement. So, yeah. I will say this, though. I thought, I thought your demands to appear on the RFP were a little over the top. Um, JC, you sent those to us. I think it'd be great if you read those so that people could know what we went through to get the royalty Lloyd legalist on the RFP. Yeah, this was the response back when asked if we could come get him on the podcast. He said, I would need my dressing room cooled to a perfect 70 degrees upon arrival. Uh, was that good, sir? Everything good there? It was perfect. Okay. Thank you. And then as a reminder, per the contract writer, in honor of Eddie Van Halen's recent passing, we needed all the brown M&Ms to be removed from the dressing room candy bowl, a beautiful ori <laughs> a beautiful man of God chair that would be fitting for someone of my calling and caliber. It must be the kind of platform chair the preacher sits on during the announcements and glared at those who've gotten behind on their tithe. <laughs> a functioning Coke slushy machine, one chilled tub of uh, Briar's mint chocolate chip ice cream, fried chicken warm, 12 one liter Fuji water, one plate of cheese, non-smelly, non Fiji. <laughs> Fuji is televisions. Fuji. Or it's Apple. Fuji. Fiji. It's Fiji. Whatever. It's Fuji. It's a nin too, right? What is right, it? Here we Fuji? Go. I thought it was Fuji. Fiji. Hang on. It's I've got to look water. it up. It's Fiji. Fiji. 12 one liters of Fiji water, one plate of cheese, non-smelly, non-sweaty on ice with whole wheat, healthy crackers, three recent editions of the Sword of the Lord magazine, <laughs> signed frame portraits of the late Dr. Oliver B. Green, Dr. Jack Howells, and Sergeant First Class Gomer Pyle to be located just above my dressing room mirror, a written heartfelt apology from Brother JC that will read on air admitting his error and saying that the wrestling pastor was his favorite not a non-account JC must confess Lloyd Legalist to be by far his favorite Twitter account <laughs> and as JC reads his confession I would like there to be a certain Holy Ghost anointing tremble in his voice that turns into a full-throated well right when he says the climatic words forgive me Lloyd for I have sinned 
<laughs> when I need this to be signed and notarized in public. <laughs> well, Lloyd, I hope we've of, met all of your demands. And once it climaxes with that apology, as the tears roll down your face, <laughs> on I am I have sinned, it is going to be perfect. You guys got everything else right. We're, we're, we'll, I'll pray about that. <laughs> That's a pastor's no, right? Yes. That's how yes. it is. Well, Lloyd, tell us about a little bit about your history, a little bit about uh, how you were raised. Were you raised in the IFB? What What is your background as a person? Yeah, I, I my mom and dad got saved in a Baptist church that probably people would consider fundamentalist, but the pastor was a schoolmate of uh Oh, good gracious. Mr. Falwell, Dr. Falwell, the late Dr. Falwell, not his sons. And um, so it wasn't real fundamentalism until my brother started attending this church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And the way he enticed my family to come was he told my dad, Dr. Oliver B. Green is preaching a revival. Well, that's all you needed to say to my dad because he had all the commentaries. He he, that radio was always tuned to Dr. Green in our house. So we went, I was a little fifth grader sitting in the balcony right above looking down at Dr. Green and scared to death because on that front row were, including my brother, preacher boys. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, they hooting and hollering. I'd never heard that before in church. There was amens, but waving their Bibles scared me to death. And Sooner or later, that's the church we became part of. Hmm. My my pastor uh, then, he was a Bob Jones graduate, but he came from the hollers of West Virginia, very proudly. So he had one foot in with Bob Jones and the certain refinement that came there, but there wasn't much refinement to our pastor. Hmm. But he brought on associate pastors who were all his friends in school. So we were this weird combination of hooting and hollering, but more and more of an influence of the upper class or how you want to put it, the higher church standards sure. of some of the Bob Jones music. I started going to the school and um, immediately was told in sixth grade that I would have to start parting my hair to the side. <laughs> uh, I combed my hair in a boy's bob. And we were told that was the unisex haircut. So immediately was being thrust into the deeper parts of the text I didn't know about. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the all the laws and regulations <laughs> of the Pharisees. But I kind of, because I am a person that longs to please, just kind of got in line with it. Hmm. And went through high school and my senior year, uh, is in the middle of basketball season. There was a rule we had in our Christian school that you cannot listen to any pop or any rock music because we are going to treat that now. They said, just like you're taking drugs. It's the same thing. It's, it's poison for your mind. So I was in a car full of guys uh, and there was one girl in the back. We were going to a, bir- a Christmas party and we had something we said, is it okay if we play this? And everybody gave the thumbs up. So he played something like the Eagles. Well, long story short, that girl got convicted by the Holy Spirit, of course. Mm. And uh, I came out of choir one day to see my friend Billy crying. Now, Billy doesn't cry. And I said, what's wrong? He goes, we got caught. 
and I'm kicking through my mind of all the things I could have gotten caught for. <laughs> and he took me back to that night a few weeks ago, and I was ushered into the principal's office. Now, at that point, I was class president, captain of the ball team, and our our principal said, you will be lucky if you graduate from here. Now, I had no record of anything doing wrong, uh, but they said, literally, we're going to make an example out of you. So they suspended me from three day, for three days from school. They kicked me off the ball team. Uh, you know, I was uh, unceremoniously uh, taken down as senior class president. So one of our associate pastors, God bless his heart, just went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. Uh, called me that night. It was a Wednesday night. We were getting ready to go to church and said, I, I went to uh, pastor's office and I, I think that was too harsh of a penalty for you. I got you back on the basketball team. So I had that. And I just was overwhelmed with the grace of God that these people were so gracious. <laughs> it was a deep sin that I was caught into to let me back. <laughs> so yeah, that, then I went to Bob Jones from there and, you know, the weird thing I tell people, and some of you know the church I, I grew up in, is we were a little bit to the right of Bob Jones. So going there, I, I felt at home. The, the rules and regulations weren't bad at all to me. Till I got to my senior year, and if you are a Bible major, you have to participate in what's called the Preacher Boys Contest which is a sermon contest, which in essence is a 15-minute speech you take like a sermon and you preached it. And I did not want to be part of this. And I was in it and I kept going from round to round. I got to the final three. And so I'm going to be able to preach in front of the entire student body at Bob Jones, 5,000 people in the auditorium. And a few weeks before that, this is a full circle deal. Uh, I was in a car of people and uh, coming back from Atlanta on a little choir trip we took for the weekend. And someone said, I'm going to play some Steve Green. Are you <laughs> oh, guys OK with that? And I was like, it's awesome. Yeah. So we listened to He Holds the Keys and all those great songs. Got back. Somebody got a, a conscience and uh, I got pulled into the dean of men's office. And I thought, here we go again. It's just like my senior year of high school. And they were going to campus me, which means the last week yeah. of my year ever, I, I couldn't go out with my new in-laws that were meeting my mom and dad for the first time. We were getting married in a few months. So I couldn't go off campus. And of course, I couldn't participate in the preaching wing contest. But again, where sin abounded, mm. grace abounded more. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. The dean of men said, you know, you've got a clean record here. Uh, just be careful what you listen to. <laughs> I think back to that with Steve Green. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and uh, I was allowed to, uh, to graduate without any shame publicly. So fun fact, I got campused at Tennessee Temple University, but I was an off campus student. How does that happen? I played Bebo Norman at a skate night and got the merits. And then I actually, so me and a buddy named Chip Clark, shout out, we were going to the Braves game. I was student body vice president and we painted this big um, sheets that we had sewn together and we painted with spray paint TBS because that was back when the Braves were on TBS. And we said Tennessee Temple, Braves Baseball, Sports Center, put us on or something like that. It went through the bed sheets and on the front of the LRC, the Lee Robertson Center, 
painted it right there on the on the step. So oh. if you drive past Tennessee Temple University <laughs> and look at the front steps of the LRC, which is not LRC anymore, it's Redemption Point Church, but those steps are painted like red and they paint them all the time. It's because this guy right here. <laughs> and then we went down to the, the <laughs> physical plant and we got a pressure washer, but we put diesel in an unleaded uh, <laughs> gas tank. And so it was smoking and all this. And so we got campus and I was an off-campus student. So I feel your pain, brother. Wow. Wow. So That's I have amazing. a question. Sure. Um, <laughs> you talking about the way you were treated in the Christian school than the way you were treated at college. Uh, recently, I was sharing some stories with some friends of mine, and there was another pastor there, and um, he wasn't brought up, you know, in the same way that we were brought up. You know, the insanity that we were talking about, he had never experienced. And so he, he, he said this, and it really caught my attention. He said, I can't believe that you guys still believe in God. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to uh, what you believe is the damage that's often done uh, against young people emotionally and mentally that grow up under that kind of authoritarian, independent, fundamental, I'm going to call it rule. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great question because as the years have gone on, there was definitely a time in high school that none of my friends would have said, yeah, Mike's going to be a pastor one day. Um, but God got a hold of my heart, believe it or not, my freshman year of college, someone handed me a study guide from Chuck Swindoll on the book of James. I just started studying this verse by verse stuff. I didn't know what that was, verse by verse. Come on. And I first started owning my faith for the first time. And the problem was I was looking at people that I went to school with and getting in contact with them when when I would go home. And I was noticing there was a a considerable number of them that wanted nothing to do with anything. And one of my best friends, um, that was him. We had played sports together and just done everything together. And I, I got the courage to have the conversation with him. And I said, you know, the problem is the God that we were introduced to, there's definitely similarities, but there's so many things that we were told that weren't true about him. Mm. And what God's doing in my life is that I'm beginning to see who he really is. And all that stuff that we learned, the, the condemnation constantly, the all truth and no grace, that's not who God is. Mm. And I think to him, I probably sounded like I was speaking Swahili because uh, he, it, it just kind of passed over him. Uh, so many of those kids they just assumed that's who God is and made a decision at some point, I don't want anything to do with that. Hmm. Uh, whether it be camping out on all the hypocrisy that we saw or the condemnation, whatever, they just said, that's probably true and I don't want it. Hmm. So now that you get into the uh, cutting edge technologies like social media, especially Facebook, and I begin to make friends with them uh, and just see a lot of destruction that some of them have experienced in their lives. And they just, um, they, they can't put those two worlds together. They don't want anything to do with what we had. And to try to tell them that there's something else out there, I think a little bit of it sounds like maybe I've joined a cult. <laughs> um, so I don't want to speak for all of them, but 
I've seen a number of them that just stay away from everything hmm. because of it. But I've seen an awful lot of them that had journeys similar to mine, where somehow, some way, got got a hold of them, and they began to understand there's a whole world of Christianity out there that we had heard condemned as the neo-evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think we were the last people using the word neo-evangelical <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Bob Jones. You know. So um, they begin to understand, yeah, this is, I can, I can enjoy my Christian life and there is grace mm. um, as well as truth. So one of the yeah, most, one of the most impactful emails that we've received that has just burned into my memory was a girl that said, it wasn't that I stopped believing in God. I just mm. believed that God didn't like me. And I thought, I guess I'll just do whatever I want to do. And I think that's the story of so many people that just thought, yeah, there is a God, but I can never measure up. He doesn't approve of me. And no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to get there. So just, you know, do whatever you feel like and just know you're going to end up in hell one day. And honestly, that's why we started this podcast was for a lot of the people that feel just like that. Because I remember, Nate, when we sat down back in December, we said, who is the target audience? You know, and then with Brian, where we've been talking about is, it's those people that feel just like that, that can't meet up to a standard. And so they just walk away completely. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things, to be honest, I've struggled with in my walk with God is learning more and more about who he is. And I still, to this day, when I hear someone talk in terms of God doesn't just love you, he likes you. Mm. And he really enjoys you and he delights over you reading something like Piper's book. I I was just, what is this? I mean, I know it's true theologically, but, you know, existentially or emotionally, there's such a disconnect between the head and the heart that I think God is still continuing to work on with me. So, Well, I think what you're saying is what I've been saying to a lot of people and what I've been witnessing a lot of. It's a lot easier to get out of fundamentalism than it is to get the fundamentalism out of you. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's and good. there are a lot of people who leave the fundamental movement, and yet for years and years and years and years, they battle the condemnation that they feel every time they fail. They battle the doubts about their salvation. They doubt whether or not God really loves them. They live under this idea that everyone else is better than them and everyone else is more deserving of God's love and deserving of heaven. And we all know that if, if it's dependent on being deserving, then none of us are, are ever going to inherit anything that looks like eternal life in heaven. Yeah. And, uh, and I just think there are a lot of people, they, they get away from fundamentalism, but they live under that oppression, a lot of them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, you think about it, there wasn't so much a legalism in their, you know, soteriology, you know, coming to Christ by faith. Uh, by grace, and yet the legalism kicks in once that person becomes a Christian. Now there's a list of the nasty nine, terrible ten, dirty dozen list. You know that we all had of things you have to check off that you're not going to do, things you should be doing, and it comes down into it's just performance oriented. Mm. And like Jesus said, you're you're whited sepulchers but full of dead men's mm. bones. So, but I think that's a cul-de-sac. I think they end up turning around in the cul-de-sac and driving back over salvation because mm. uh, soteriology is affected when every single time you fail 
and you hear this preacher preaching and and he's making people who fail and who doubt and who you know who get lost along the way that if you've ever doubted then you're not saved mm-hmm. i think what happens is there's a consistent recycling of people who have been saved made to feel as if they're not saved and so i think that even confuses soteriology you're right. I mean, I did get saved about seven or eight times mm. throughout junior <laughs> high and high school. So we all have same. <laughs> I'm standing here thinking about a lot of conversations that I've had with people over the years about exactly what we're talking about. And I remember one, maybe not one, multiple conversations where we were talking about how the wrath of God is a real thing. You can't read the Old Testament mm-hmm. or the New Testament without realizing that's a reality and the grace of God is a real thing. You also can't read the Bible without understanding that Old or New Testament. And someone asked the question, so so what's the right balance? Where do you find the balance between God's wrath and God's grace? And it just hit me in that moment. And I said, it's Jesus. Hmm. Jesus is yes. that perfect balance between yes. God's wrath Amen. and God's grace. He fulfilled the law. He lived up yeah. to God's righteous demands, yet he was crushed for our sins, and that brought grace to everyone who would believe. And that the cross yeah. is exactly where God's wrath and His grace meet, and that's the pinnacle of what God chose to do for humanity through Jesus. Yes. I mean, the two biggest words, I think, in Paul's theology are in Christ. Mm. And once you're in, you're in Him, He sees His Son. It's so hard to wrap our brains around it, but He, he sees you. He's not like He can't see you, but He sees the finished work of his son. And it doesn't cut out. I mean, it's easy. People think, well, if you go along this grace route, you're just going to have the uh, licentiousness. You know, you get that pounded into you. Yeah. That, uh, but, you know, you understand then that there is not a tension, but that balance that John says about Jesus. He was a man full of grace and truth. Yeah. And so when you're in Christ, Positionally, you're seen as perfect. That's why Paul can call the Corinthians saints in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. But practically, that's where we are working out our salvation in fear and trembling. But to do so with a God that actually loves and likes me, that's groundbreaking. At least it was for me. So I love that you just brought up the idea of being in Christ. There was a Southern Gospel group. Guys, I don't know if you ever were in services with this group. It's a family called the Rochesters. And they used to sing at a lot of the camp meetings and revivals. And it was after I had left fundamentalism. Maybe I was with my dad in a service, but they were singing and they sang a song. And in that song, there was a line that I've never forgotten to this day, that God doesn't see who I really am because the son, the S-O-N, is in his eyes. Mm. I just love that idea of Jesus Christ glaring in the eyes of God every time he would look at me so that instead of seeing me, he sees the son because I am in the son. I'm so glad you brought that up. Amen. And there's a lot of people out there that'll latch onto that and say, okay, so you just believe you can live any way you want to, like Lloyd just said, but we do still believe Romans chapter seven. He clearly addresses, Paul clearly addresses that even though grace abounds, that doesn't mean we just go out and and live in sin. Anybody who can go out and live in sin without any consequences or without, you know, it it affecting them whatsoever, yeah, we have legitimate reason to question their salvation. Yes. But I don't think any of us are as perfect (laughs) as we would like to 
convince other people that we are. And we all struggle to a level that if it were brought under a microscope, we, we all need God's grace every moment of every day. And we fail him every day. But his spirit in us enables us to walk. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that truth. And one of the things uh, that you do is you highlight through the Lloyd Legalist account what Nathan just said, our faults. So what led you to, uh, to start this Lloyd Legalist account? Well, it's interesting. I had pastored um, in a number of states. I had, please forgive me, God, left uh, the Baptist movement. Uh, I, went to, I went to seminary at Grand Rapids, what was called Baptist Seminary, then now it's theological. And I, back to my early days at Bob Jones, I'd love the teaching of Chuck Swindoll and knew he was evangelical free church. So I met a girl from California at Bob Jones and she didn't fit the criteria that I thought, but you know, you should to be spiritual, but she just really had this walk with God. So I had that bug in my brain about evangelical free long story short, I pastored for 15 years in the evangelical free church, mm. uh, four of those in Florida, just outside of Jacksonville and 11 in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. My mom had been sick for a number of years with an incurable uh, lung disease, not to do with smoking. Listen to me insert that like a fundamentalist. (laughs) She wasn't smoking, (laughs) praise God. Um, (laughs) I had to cover her. But uh, so she was in hospice, and it's another podcast or another something I just felt the timing was good for me to step down from the church in Maryland, go to Virginia where I'm from and and help my sisters take care of my mom. So that year she passed away and then we saw it as a time of transition for us to help my father. And I was preaching in churches, but I was going to a Baptist church, but I, I wasn't it was, it was one of the times of my life that I didn't leave a church to go to another church, or I didn't go to a city because uh, the church was connected to it. So I decided it, I need to do the second highest calling to being a pastor, and that's a car salesman. <laughs> so I... <laughs> a lot of similarities I, there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I... I did that for a whole, uh, probably the, the longest six months of my life. And hmm. uh, one very slow evening in Smithfield, Virginia, I was looking at this thing called Twitter. I, I hadn't messed with it at all, didn't have an account myself, and began to see some of these Anon accounts. I think I may have seen Church Curmudgeon hmm. and some others and just thought, well, you know, I, I maybe typed a search to see if there was a legalistic one and no one had that angle. So I thought, well, and of course it has to be alliterated. Absolutely. (laughs) So Lloyd, why not Lloyd? So I just started throwing some stuff out there. And what was interesting is, you know, you begin to connect with people either that are anon accounts or that like you. And so it was only a few months into it in a pretty popular account. It wasn't church curmudgeon. They wrote me an instant message and they said, hey, I enjoy your account. And I said, thanks. And I enjoy yours, too. And they said, you know, but some of the other Anons don't like you. (laughs) 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 I felt like I had gone to school as a a new girl in class and the mean (laughs) girls were like, you know, no. So uh, I didn't even ask why they didn't like me. I think he said something about 
my sense of humor was uh, maybe off-putting or I don't know. <laughs> but I thought, well, I'm not going to play that game. I'm just going to keep being Lloyd and grow in this world of imaginary pastor. But I really was just drawing from all the stuff I'd grown up with. Right. But it was weird because I had been a number of years away from that. So um, some of the folks that are uh, more fresh or it's been less years for them teach me that things still haven't changed. Not at all. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So who's some of the names that we would recognize that follow Lloyd Legalist? Well, it's funny. um, I heard you guys talking as a joke, uh, either the last podcast or podcast before, but Andy Stanley uh, follows Lloyd. So uh, he retweeted me one time, and that's enough to get quite a lot of followers. Uh, Northworth said he was Andy Stanley. So the the episode right before you, we asked who he is, and he said, I'm Andy Stanley, so maybe it's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. It's interesting, Jay Baker, the the son of Jim and Tammy, Mm. has been following me for a while, and sometimes he'll mention things. Uh, Josh Harris uh, was following me, I think, when he was still probably in seminary in Canada, and he stayed with it through his... uh, sad transition of his journey right now. Did he kiss you goodbye um, or is he still following you? No, he didn't kiss me goodbye. Oh, all we right. We're still dating. We're That's still dating. stupid We're recording, recording. It was something that he came into understanding. It seemed like of the, the pitfalls of that book and then boom, the whole thing was like, yeah, now I'm, you know, that was so, the Bible um, when I was in high school. My parents wouldn't let me yeah. date. They're like, read this book first. I was like, dad, you have to court her. And then, and yeah. then when I got finished with high school, they're like, still kissing, dating goodbye. I was like, he wrote a sequel? What? <laughs> You're killing me. Do you know how many times God broke up with me in high school? God is telling us we're not supposed to date. Dad, gummit, why do you hate me, God? <laughs> well, you just are learning you don't practice on anybody else. Amen. You know, you... That's one of his phrases, don't practice. Don't practice. One follower that I've gotten in trouble for, uh, Brian Houston, the founder of Hillsong. Because there had been a time, a few times, he has tweeted something that I have, people actually looked that I liked it. (laughs) And were like, how in the world can you like anything he has to say? And I was like, good gracious, calm down. Uh, so he, he's been very generous and kind. And then because my background's in music, a couple of people that I love to listen to, Brian Duncan. Uh, oh, yeah. Brian Duncan. He's great. And Fernando Ortega got me through early years of senior pastorate. I can't tell you how many of his songs I kept rewinding. And uh, he, he follows, too. And, uh, and of course, our president of the United States follows me. I'm just kidding. Oh, that would have been awesome. (laughs) I do like Brian Duncan. There was a song back when I was in high school called a heart like mine is one of the songs that Brian Duncan sang. And I'm a, I'm a, radio host at Moody Radio in Chattanooga and we played that song last week for uh, this this show and it came on I was like that just took me back to high school right there a heart like mine with wow. Brian Duncan he's got a very unique voice he does now, powerful did, voice did you sing you said you had a background in music what, yeah, did, what did, I, did you do I went to Bob Jones um, with a music major voice proficiency okay and uh, so it was about my junior year that I really felt God tugging at my heart. What happened was I started uh, doing weekend ministry in nursing homes, mm-hmm. and I always did that leading the singing. And then one of the guys who spoke must have been absent, and I started speaking. And something happened where I enjoyed speaking and teaching mm-hmm. more than I did singing. 
uh, and I thought there's something about this and that hunger grew and just exploded. So I, I actually, my first church experience of a grace and truth church was when we started, uh, going to seminary in Michigan and they said to me, will you come on as our part-time worship leader? And I said, no. Hmm. And they said, why? I said, because I, I don't want to do that the rest of my life. That's not fair to this church. And they were like, look, you're in seminary. You're cleaning offices right now. Why don't you combine your academics with being in, in a healthy church? And they were so right. And that was such a great opportunity. So that was the last church I was uh, doing worship with. So can we add the Lloyd Legalist Greatest Hits to our RFP merch store? Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> Just send us a three song EP. <laughs> Does it have to be Christian or non-Christian? Whatever you'd like, buddy. Secular or sacred, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just want to know if you gave up being a worship leader because you felt really convicted about syncopation. <laughs> <laughs> Your friend alone finally developed. <laughs> <laughs> I finally, yeah, that was, uh, that was a great journey, too. And God, again, put me in that church. I think I heard someone on your podcast say only the people that came from uh the inside called it CCM, you know, regular oh, yeah. folks just yeah. called it Christian music. So, but we actually uh, had a church, a concert series at our church uh, and had a team of people and we brought in some really great acts. I mean, you know, in those days, Point of Grace, oh, yeah. uh, mm. Phil Kagey and oh, PFR. Wow. So it was amazing just watching that kind of talent up close. So. Yeah. So it is cool when you have groups in like that, and not only are they they talented, but they're real. And one of my favorite groups, as a matter of fact, they're on my J Radio playlist. Come By on. the way, my playlist is the most spiritual playlist <laughs> for all of our listeners. If you want to get under the spout where the glory <laughs> comes out, then listen to Brian's playlist. Shameless plug. We had Shane and Shane in a little while back. Woo! And Come those on. two guys are just so real. They love yeah. Jesus. Amazing. And God's word is a part of of who they are and what they do. As a matter of fact, uh, this is something that no one has ever heard about before. But right before the uh, the concert started, we were sitting up in my office around a table and we were all praying together. And they asked me to lead them in a worship song. Whoa, so there's only wow. there's only the three of us. So no crowd, no lights, no no amplification, no anything. Just just sitting in my office and I started singing uh, one of the old hymns and, because it's just a hymn that had really been ministering to me during that season. And I watched those guys with tears flowing down their faces, lifting their hands and singing along. It made that time of the concert so much more meaningful. And uh, so I get that. Man, and, that's uh, special, bro. That's good. Can I ask what song you were singing? Because you piqued my curiosity now. You know, I, I think it might have been My Jesus, I Love Thee. Hmm. You remember the old hymn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. I think it, it was I think it was likely that. It was just a great time of worship. Uh, thankfully, it was not giving me that old-time religion. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so you have on Twitter kind of created this family around Lloyd Legalist. Do you want to break that down a little bit? Are you any other Anon accounts, or are you just no. kind of Lloyd? Yeah, it was interesting. My my brother-in-law, about six months ago or so, 
we came over to his house and he's like, hey, did you see that tweet that I sent you tonight? And I said, no, I didn't. He said, you know, the, the legalist lawyer account you have, I go, well, that's not me. He's like, what? He goes, no, 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 that's you, right? I said, no, I, all that family is not me at all. And it, it was weird because I don't know how it started. And I don't want to say so as not to offend anyone who thought of it first, but I, I ended up having a, a wife two sons, one who was a prodigal, Obadiah, and then another good son, uh, a young girl who was attending Bob Jones, literally, I found out, and also uh, in that world, named Rebecca. And then I ended up with a lawyer, uh, and he's pretty active, a father, a grandfather, a Christian school, 1611, and whoever does that account has been in Christian school all their life. They got down. Uh, Floyd Legalist, my barber. Uh, Whoa, from, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then the church nursery director. I, and and I didn't know who they were. And people at first were like, "What? You know, why are you doing this?" I said, "These are not me." And once they got to Lloyd's proctologist, I said, "You know, we've got to end it right there." So, <laughs> no. Do you know well, any of the of- other? Do you know any of the other I, folks that are a non-accounts? I didn't at first. And then what happened was uh, the guy who plays Obadiah uh, wrote me a direct message and said, hey, you don't have to tell me who you are, but I'm so-and-so and I pastor. And where he pastored is an hour from here. Wow. So I told him who I was and I've preached now in his church a number of times. So that's, that's incredible. Cool. You know, one of the things that I heard Hamblin talking about this week, he said, these are guys that live in their mother's basement that wear their Scooby-Doo pajamas, have a chocolate milk mustache. <laughs> so far, we know that Northwest has a PhD, is working on it. You're a pastor. Fake Sermon, or not Fake Sermon, but Wrestling Pastor is an associate pastor at a large church in Florida. These aren't basement dwelling, gutter snipe, you know, mama raised boys that are still sitting in their mama's basement with chocolate milk mustaches. You guys are established. Yeah, we. I think a number of us have been around the block, So, and you can just hear it. Um, some of the accounts, I think, I finally just said, hey, uh, we can kind of put a, at least a hiatus on this family that's developed. <laughs> so, um, But you can tell when someone's, you know, if, if they're on a non-account, and you can tell especially if they breathe the same air you did yeah you know for those years so well i can say that out of our episode we have created a new anon account ifb sasquatch was birthed out of our <laughs> really? interview with fake sermon a couple weeks ago and it's taken wow. off like wildfire yeah it's doing yeah awesome. i saw that and it's, it's none funny. of us yeah. no. <laughs> i was wondering this week how good nathan rager felt that his hero john hamlin the real john hamlin basically stole his quote that he used on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and just doctored it up a little bit with the Scooby-Doo pajamas. Oh, my goodness. John Hamlin literally quoted Nathan Rager. Congrats, wow. Nathan. And I think John Nathan did Hamlin a better job. Yeah. Nathan did a better job than John Hamlin did. So. Well, Nathan takes yeah. all of Phil Kidd's quotes and Tony Hudson's quotes. I mean, he literally quoted this week from our intro, Jesus was not a bartender. Did yes, you see that? Did. So, oh, yes. Hey, good yes. job, Nathan. Hamlin Nathan. is still in your content. I really, really thought... Without any irony here, I really thought Nathan's account 
I was praying to God that he was a non. I thought he was a non. I thought he's brilliant at yeah, this. And yeah. then I realized, <laughs> sadly, he's not. Honestly, <laughs> that's why we brought him on the podcast, because we wanted to, I asked him on there, are you real or is this all made up yeah. and you're just really good? And he is real. I think it's about yeah, time for real. another Nathan Rager input <sighs> into the like we should call him right now and be like, hey, do you have anything to say to Lloyd Legalist? We have an, <laughs> let's do a non-account on. Nate, you may be onto something. Let's call him real quick. Come on, Nathan. Come on, Nathan. I just texted him and told him we were trying to FaceTime him from the studio. I'm so nervous right now. I want him to answer. Okay. What's up, Nathan Ranger? Hey, hey, how are you, John Calvin? <laughs> Good, buddy. <laughs> so What's up, Nathan? A, uh, I got a Reformation Sunday sermon coming up in a couple weeks. You know, my German Baptist ancestors had to move here, not actually to get away from the, Cal- the Catholics, but from the Calvinists. Man. Hey, we are in the studio with Lloyd Legalist. He's one of the many Anon accounts out there. Do you have any thoughts about... Anon accounts. Did he out himself? Is he actually revealing his identity? Th- that that may happen. Interesting. Okay. Well, all I can say is all the credit in the world, all the credit in the world to him if he is actually uh, coming out and you know uh, revealing his identity. Uh, I mean, because we should have. You should be able to stick your face and your name out there to have an honest conversation. So, hey, I'm uh, like I, I do believe that. Uh, well, I'll let y'all I'll let y'all deal with that. Ain't who who the other ain't on door when you're on the show. So. <laughs> so up to this point, Lloyd Legalist has been completely anonymous. So, I mean, up to this point, if he doesn't reveal his identity, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, they should. I'm. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, hey, you know, JC, at the end of the day, it's like this. You went on and you said that you're not a troll because you reveal your names, trolls hide behind Anon accounts. So I think you should hold this as the same standard here. Do you have Lloyd blocked? I don't think so. I don't know. No. Nathan, so. Nathan, Nathan so. you need some Lloyd legalist in your life. I'm just telling you, he's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> you need to go at him on Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look him up. I'll look him up. I was certainly blessed by uh, Northwest Seminary uh, introducing me to Christian Birdall. So, Nathan, I have a question. Yes. This is Brian, by the way. How did it make you feel this past week one of your heroes quoted you? I know, I know in the past a couple of times that's happened uh, with me, I mean, for example, like, you know, one time I said, you know, Jesus is Lord in a sermon, and now I've actually heard other preachers say that. And every time I hear that, it just it just means the world to me. So how did it make you feel this past week to know that John Hamblin quoted you almost word for word? Uh, he's a good man. He is crystal clear on salvation by faith alone, through grace alone. He travels the country as a faithful soul winner. Uh, he is uh, a real blessing and encouraging young preachers and helping preachers. Uh, I, I think y'all are really too hard on him. He's a good man. He's a faithful man, a genuine man, and a humble man. 
And uh, if, if he quoted me, I mean, God bless him for it. Oh, he absolutely, he up. absolutely quoted you. They got those anonymous accounts because they're living in their mother's basement wearing their Scooby-Doo pajamas till noon. And they got a chocolate milk mustache on their face all day long. Internet terrorists with their fingers. He changed it up a little bit and added the uh, Scooby-Doo pajamas, but the rest of it was quoting you word for word, man. Okay, yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, that, that actually makes a lot of sense because I went to the doctor's office and there was a shop next door that is selling a Sasquatch statue. breaking out. We've had three young families join our church in the last month. Yeah, so I mean, hey, Sasquatch is real. Like that, lump that or jump that or take that across the street and dump that, okay? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Lloyd, did you know you were going to get some Nathan Rager in your life tonight? Oh, this is a huge, a huge get for me. So I am honored. Hey, Nathan, you have a question for Nathan? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Nathan, uh, I think I heard this somewhere. I want to see if it's true. Did you used to be uh, in the Southern Baptist movement? Yeah, uh, I, I was in the convention. I went in. I was serving in two churches that had previously been independent fundamental Baptist and went back in uh, when they had the, the Criswell resurgence, I'll call it. And uh, basically I got sent, because of some denominational issues, uh, the decision was made to send me out to plant an independent fundamental Baptist church. Uh, you know, but on my way out, I, I did introduce a couple of floor, I did introduce a floor motion and asked the question in a Q&A on the convention floor in 2018. And I, uh, there's a fella, I think he might be the recording secretary of the convention on an episode of the uh, SBC History Podcast uh, about J. Frank Norris, that I was the modern day J. Frank Norris. Now, that's not a compliment, I don't think that's so much a compliment to me as much as it is a sign of the times, where a hundred years ago, this great man of God was pastor in the two biggest churches in America, you know, and all that's left, um, all that was ever that left among their ranks, you know, was, uh, you know, was a first year preacher uh, in serving in two elderly churches where everybody else was over 75. And uh, I was all that was left to be the modern day J. Frank Norris. That's a shame. I mean, because he took a stand against evolution, uh, against uh, textual criticism, higher criticism. Uh, he was, he stood his ground. I mean, we got to stand our ground for God's word. Hey, Nathan. Yeah. Bro. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this episode tonight. I hope you'll listen to it coming up soon on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, let me just say one more thing to you, you know, because I want to reach your people, you know, just go beyond y'all, okay? This is going to take 30 seconds. Go. Y'all are also uh, on the subject of defending some people. These camp meeting guys, they're faithful. But the Southern culture is, the houses are too far apart for door-to-door soul winning. When you have these big revivals and camp meetings, you get people in. You have to preach repentance the lost, uh, I'm sorry, you know, salvation by faith alone to the lost, repentance to the backslider, and you have to preach, you know, stay in the course and up in the commitment to the faithful. And that is a hard thing to address, that many messaging to that many people in one sermon. And uh, I know it gets a lot of convoluted, but it's not legalism. These are good men who are really trying to reach people for God, and they don't have the luxury of those of us in urban ministry who, who can go out soul winning in the community and have disciples in the church it's not like that for these guys so just you know try to take it easy on them okay awesome man thank you so much we appreciate it nate
Hey, yes, sir. Bye, Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Take care, Nathan. Well, there he is, Nathan Rager, everybody. Wow. You, didn't wow. know you, you didn't know you were getting an Anon and a Rager rebuttal tonight, did you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lloyd, do you Our have any day, thoughts? Well, I'm just still mulling over the modern-day J. Frank Norris. That's, yeah. uh, that's huge. So, Lloyd, he, he is real. There's his voice. We tried to get him on video, but that didn't work. But Nathan Rager wow. is real. I believe it. I believe it now. So your humor is hilarious, and, and it's funny to go from Nathan Rager uh, to humor. <laughs> but this past week, you, you had me laughing. You had this tweet where it's a little, a little child coming up out of the snow, and you, you said, and another Canadian is born. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, what is I, your favorite tweet ever, and, and oh, how do you come up with that stuff? Well, the interesting thing is I've said it a few times, but my humor is kind of off the wall and at times dark, my, my, the kind of humor I like the most. So sometimes the tweets that get the most retweets, it would be something I wouldn't find that, fun, <laughs> that funny. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but that one, I actually did that one a year or two previously and I got some major, uh, major kickback from people who knew it was reverse and they said how in the world can anybody throw a baby into the snow like that that's terrible and so all these people came at me as if i was the one that did it and uh so i thought well why not do that again so uh but as far as favorite ones it's hard uh to think you know it, early on with lloyd i was very much all tweets about him or his fictitious world and then it kind of over time evolved where I would still do Lloyd, but I would just do stuff I thought that was funny. And I was able to get away with that as well without always having to be, I guess, in character. Hmm. So one of the things we go back to the family thing that I thought was hilarious was the wife that I had, I noticed was really funny and kind of a little bit edgy at times. And so I tweeted them, whoever they were, I instant messaged them and said, Hey, I think you guys are really funny or you are. And she said, well, it's me and my husband that do <laughs> her. And so it wasn't long after where somebody came at them for something they tweeted that it was not appropriate or whatever. And it wasn't bad. I can't even remember what it was. So they, I didn't know it, but people were telling me they're gone. Her account is gone. And so I decided to pick up the narrative of my wife left me. And I don't <laughs> know why. So one of the funnier ones, someone had tweeted, they got a picture of a milk carton and on the back it had her picture and it said, have you seen me? <laughs> so we did the whole thing. She's missing. Where is she? And, but we had no way of calling, you know, I didn't know who she was to get her back in. Uh, but that was kind of an odd but funny thing. So well, maybe she's listening to the episode and we'll maybe re that would be it. great. Come back. Please come back. <laughs> hey, baby, I, baby, come back. We say it at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong. And I just can't live without you. <laughs> baby, come back. <laughs> I love it. Kind of uh, fool could see. Yes. Brian, that's that good player. singing. 
<laughs> you let it rip right Except there, those buddy. Except for that right. watching. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a whole lot of favorite tweets that you've done, Lloyd, but my favorite one from recent days is the one that says, when the pastor wishes he hadn't found that one lost sheep. <laughs> and this sheep oh. is just brutalizing oh, this my poor goodness. shepherd boy. I don't know if it's one sheep or multiple sheep. I think it's just yeah. one that had his number. But, dude, that is like... I feel his pain as a pastor yeah, and just shot. as a fellow human being. Yeah, that last shot that he or she took, whatever, or a boy, people were saying, did they live after that? Because they hit hard. I don't on see the, how you could survive that, man. It's, wow, that was brutal. It really is similar to being a pastor. I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> We've all had those sometimes, days. Yes. Sometimes I tweet stuff out. I have in the past and the pastors are afraid to retweet it because they don't want it to seem like, I think the people that are from their church following them, like they're trying to let send them messages about being disappointed. So they'll like it, but they won't retweet it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I used to love to go off every October on the great uh, pastor appreciation month. I called it pastor depreciation (laughs) month. And, you know, you know, the Charlie Brown where, uh, everyone's getting the, the trick or treat candy and he keeps getting, I got a rock I got a rock. So I said, that's what it every year for pastor appreciation. I get a rock from my church and a lot of pastors would like it, but they would not retweet that. I think it was because they didn't want to spoil whatever chances they had of getting a decent gift that month. So that's funny. I was sitting on a zoom meeting the other day and read one that said, have you ever woken up, kiss the person beside you and thank the Lord you're alive. I just did that. And apparently I will not be allowed on this airline ever again. <laughs> that's so good. Sometimes I will take a tweet from Lloyd and I'll put it on my Facebook. And one time a guy that I went to college with said, hey, um, that sounds an awful lot like a Lloyd Legalist uh, tweet. Uh, do you have his permission to share it? Oh, Dead wow. serious. And I said, well, what if they both are the same person? And then I got no response. That's hilarious. It. Oh. So, um, yeah. Do you have anybody that has figured out that you're Lloyd Legalist? Not, not from my Facebook that that they put it together. Yeah. Um, so do so. you keep your your identity pretty close? Like I know fake sermon and Northwest, they wanted to disguise who they were. Like, do you keep Lloyd Legalist separate from who you are, or is it for those that are in your circle? Do they know? Like, how do yeah, you feel I give about them that? It. Some people, especially the people that became part of the family, if they wanted to know my name, that was fine. One tweet back, I know it's 2018, because I had tweeted, this is something serious, uh, folks. I normally don't do this, but I had just found out my father had passed away. Mm. And it was a picture of me and my father. And uh, the first person within minutes that instant messaged me was Church Curmudgeon. And I thought that was so wow. kind of him, uh, just so kind of things he said. And... I saw a lot of people were retweeting it or quote tweeting it by saying, hey, this is even sometimes people that goof around a lot, you know, their real life comes through. So yeah. if someone wanted to do a reverse Google search, they could see my picture. But early on, I made a joke about my real account doesn't get, you know, hardly any followers. Hmm. And I may have put, I think, a link to it. And it still getting, didn't get followers. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't care. Well, that's because your real account doesn't have a cat walking across a TV stand, <laughs> a guy doing sit-ups 
under the TV stand. The TV falls on the guy's head. <laughs> the guy is writhing in agony, and then the guitar falls on his head. <laughs> it doesn't oh, have a yeah. slide that's actually a cheese grater with a little kid going down it and said, if this was 2020. <laughs> Yeah, I, people are like, yeah, I don't really care to hear the serious stuff you have to say, but Lloyd's funny, so let's keep That's it that hilarious. way. <laughs> hey, Lloyd, it's been said a lot that God definitely has a sense of humor. And I think mm. that's obvious in how he created us and we're created in his image and we love yeah. humor. And yet there's a lot of people in the world that we left behind that seem to mm. think humor is a sin. Yeah. Especially if you talk about things that are sacred, like church or sermons, and it's almost like it's this sacred cow. Can you talk to us a little bit about how healing humor can be and maybe give a little bit of a rebuttal for people who basically say we're being sacrilegious by yeah. enjoying the humor that God has given us? Well, I think, you know, if you were to talk to some people that are in the midst of that movement, they have their own kind of humor, but it rarely is humor that is self-reflective or making fun of the world they're in now, especially connected to church, because they would see that as being, uh, you know, throwing stones at something so sacred because, you know, you don't speak up, you don't, that's where it does resemble sadly a cult and that you don't question the MOG, the man of God. Mm. Um, You're going to be like uh, the kids that said, go down, bald head to Elijah. And then Mm. from there it was curtains for them with the bear. So that's the way I think that people struggle with that because they have humor, but they're afraid just to kind of let loose and enjoy it and even make fun of themselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they think that, I think it's taking yourself too seriously to think that that uh, anything that maybe is even inconsistent in the movement to point that out is being disloyal to the family. Yeah. You know, so that, that to me is the mentality that becomes very stifling for people. Mm. Well, there's a um, lot of that way. There's a lot of things that they say, even in sermons. I mean, you could call the whole skinny jeans, contemporary Christian music, all that other stuff, humor, but it's it's mm-hmm. you and we've all been there, all four of us mm-hmm. and everybody listening. And it's it's not really meant to be funny. It's more of no. a, a bash, a beat down and yes. a humiliation. I think it's funny. I love hearing pastors yeah. talk about the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and quoting us and bashing us. But it, what they're doing really isn't humor. Well, if you can't make fun of yourself, I mean, you're you're taking yourself way too seriously. I was preaching at a pastor's event a while back, and the guy before me, uh, his topic was following a difficult pastor. <laughs> well, I stood up, and at the beginning of my my teaching, I talked about all of the mess that I inherited from Hope Church's previous pastor, and just talked about what a big mess he left me. Well, a guy walked up to me after the uh, the that session was over and he said, so who was the former pastor? I said, Oh, it was me. <laughs> you know, that, that, that younger idiot left me yeah. more oh, mess man. than you can imagine. Good gracious. Yes. I, I look back sometimes and some people struggle, I think with living in anxiety about what's going to happen. And then others of us struggle with regret or guilt over what we wish we'd have done better. And, you know, it's either looking 
Ford uh, out the, the front window of the car and worry are behind us in the rear view mirror. And I'm a rear view mirror person. So there are so many times I think, oh, I even have apologized to people that I pastored years ago and said, I'm so sorry. I was, I think I was arrogant and whatever. And they'll say, oh, no, no, you weren't. And I think either they're being kind or they've forgotten. But I just, you know, when you're young and, and, and you just kind of know everything and you're out to now finally change all the mess that's taken place and to answer all the questions that haven't been answered. And you know exactly how the church should run now. Hmm. And uh, all those folks before you didn't get it. So now you arrive and then God gives you the gift of living long enough just to kind of say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I thought (laughs) I had the corner on the truth. And uh, thank God for the very patient pastors that I served under um, yeah, I knew that I was just this young buck that was was going to learn and probably the hard way. So, yeah. And on the positive side of that, once you learn to laugh at yourself, you never run out of content. <laughs> that's true. Oh, my goodness. That's true. I constantly, you know, am mocking myself <laughs> uh, and my wife hears me mocking myself and says, who are you talking to? And it's uh it's my multiple personality disorder. I have names for all of them, but <laughs> that's a whole different episode. <laughs> so the family really is you. It's just yes. not you. It's, it's just other. Okay. Yeah, it is me. Now this is this is Steve talking. I'm talking to Steve now. No, so. He's Nathan's dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so behind Lloyd, uh, there is uh, a man who's who's serving God and who's loving his family. Can you tell us? you know, kind of what you're really doing and what real life Mm. looks for you right now. Yeah, I had been in ministry, pastoral ministry for quite some time and never, ever thought that I would leave being a pastor of a church. But God, through a series of events, especially with the passing of my mom and Mm. being in hospice, and then my dad getting sick just really started leading me to consider being a hospice chaplain. And I talk about it in terms of season. I mean, the season may be until I retire, but for the last four years, that's what I've done. And I have experienced grief and gladness in a number of ways. Uh, I've been privileged to walk with people in the most difficult times of their life, both the patient and also their families. And I have to say, and I'm blaming myself on this again because of my years of being a pastor in a church, but one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn, and I don't want to make this a blanket statement, but I hear so often people who have attended a certain church for years and years and years, and then they got sick and they weren't able to attend anymore. And they said, you know, what is law after I wasn't able to attend, I never heard from anybody on the pastoral staff Hmm. and you're now my pastor. And that's not what I want to hear as a chaplain. Hmm. The greatest things I hear are these churches that, oh yeah, they keep in touch with me. You know, maybe they have a ministry dedicated to that or the pastor or one of the pastors just picks up the phone and checks in and sees how I'm doing. But um, I've, I've heard time and again those stories and thought that was me. I mean, I did 
take very seriously uh, spending time with my people in both formal and informal uh, settings of discipleship. But I could have done so much better in not forgetting that group that the Bible makes a big deal about, you know, the widows and the orphans. And sometimes I know with me, my motivation was, well, they're not really going to be able to do the work of the ministry that I'm trying to get these people to do. And sadly, those are the people that have lived their lives and served and done so much. And now they just hear silence. Mm. And I don't bash their churches. I never do. But my heart breaks both for what I am doing right now and ministering to them, but breaks not only that churches are missing it, but also the sadness of the years that I missed mm. and being able to minister to people that were under my care as a shepherd. What a convicting statement. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been the hardest lesson I didn't anticipate learning that really the truth is that is the rule and not the exception. The exception is when someone says to me, you know, I've got a, a great support system and my church, not just the pastor, but people that keep in check with me and I rejoice. I'm so glad when I do hear it, but that's not the norm. And that breaks my heart so much. Mm. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> <laughs> is your bathwater getting a little cold? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's the bubbles have gone, and now it's. Uh... <laughs> Brad, I don't think you've seen this, but right before he he came on tonight, he uh, he tweeted and said, uh, "What time is the episode going to be recorded? I need time to call Winston for him to draw my evening bath. I intend to conduct this interview while soaking in a bath full of Epsom salt with manly candles adorning the circumference of my tub." <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Winston. <laughs> well, if you've ordered Free Life Pumpkin Spice Soap then that's a good bath. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm interested in this soap now. Lloyd, my just wife, make sure, my, Lloyd, make sure you no, my, use your 20% off by using the code RFP when you go to recoveringfundamentalist.org. I will do that now, 20%. I was hoping for a 30% since I was a guest, but I will settle for 20. <laughs> we'll give you 21%. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to add that we haven't put on the episode that... Well, I just want to thank you guys for what you're doing. And uh, I'm kind of taken back that it's not been, it seems like from where you all are and the amount of people that you're reaching and the people you're having on that you have been doing this a lot longer than you have. And I think part of the social media world is if you can find a groove that maybe not many people um, have that they can enjoy or that they can be blessed by as a Christian. And you all have a unique calling because you've been there. Uh, like when I sit down with people that are grieving, I've lost both my parents. So mm. they hear me a little differently. But when I sit down many times with people who have just lost a husband or a wife, I just tell them, I have no idea mm. what you're feeling right now. So all of us have the opportunity to be able to say, we understand, we don't get it exactly because we weren't you. We didn't have your exact experience, but you all to me have a, a good balance of grace and truth and that you, you do not mock the people 
in a, in a harsh way. Now they may take it that way, but I don't mm-hmm. think you mean it that way. But at the same time, you're going to call out what it is because it is a lot of times, a lot of destructiveness it's doing to the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be made clear. Well, bro, thank you for that. That means a lot coming from you. Mm-hmm. My privilege. I'm just thankful that I can be here tonight and be able to talk with you guys. Well, we're glad to have you. I have another question, and maybe we can wrap it up with this. What is the funniest thing that you've ever seen happen in a church or in a church setting? Mm, Boy. Um, (laughs) Well, I think about it as an an early kid, uh, the choir on a Sunday morning being there, and the pastor after the service baptizing a lady that was, uh, as the Sears catalog used to say, husky. (laughs) And... um, she, when he took her down, uh, the water was overflowing onto the church choir, Ooh. the avalanche, and he was having a tough time getting her back up. You always tell them, <laughs> bend your knees. <laughs> Don't make this hard on me. <laughs> so that, yeah, as an early kid, that was a, a great memory from funny things that happened. And then working in music, I, I know people that can't sing and they know they can't sing. (laughs) But in every church I've been in, there is that one or two, uh, one or two people who just know they have the gift, not only of music, but of singing solos. Mm -hmm. And they just don't have a, a singing soloist voice. And I just don't understand how you can not know that. They're the ones that always say, listen to the words, not the way we sing. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) And, you know, in the South that they say, well, bless her heart. That's usually not a good sign. Exactly. Mm. (laughs) Well, Lloyd, we are honored that you came on with us tonight. And uh, back a couple months ago when we asked, you jumped right at the opportunity. And so we want to thank you for being here. And I'm just glad we get to know who you are just to see you mm-hmm. and to to see the heart behind the Twitter handle. And uh, it, it gives a little spin now when you see your tweets about who it is that's posting that. And I know our RFP fam is excited to hear this episode for sure. Thanks, fellas. I enjoyed being here tonight and uh, see what kind of kickback I get from this time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to it. So this episode should be uh, really special to you because you've been RFP'd and ragered all in the same night. <laughs> it is a unique blessing I've been giving. Thank you, fellas. Thanks for being on here with us tonight. And hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Free Life Soap. You can go to the recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the link and save 20%. When you click on the Free Life Soap link, use the promo code RFP and uh, get your Free Life Soap today. We also want to thank J Radio for letting us use the studio and podlife.house. And we cannot forget our patrons of Patreon. In fact, our Patreons are getting to see this episode live video recorded in raw unfiltered just there for them and uh, if you want to be part of our patreon go today to the recovering fundamentalist.org click on the patreon tab become a patron today and you're getting to see the face and the name and the man and the myth and the legend behind lloyd legalist and uh, become a patreon today we want to thank all of them they are the real mvps behind the scenes guys it's been a great episode and uh, thanks for being here with us tonight lloyd thank you brian nathan y'all have a good week Be sweet.
Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.